ultimately, my favourite non-Star Wars, non-MCU franchise is probably KFC. <laughs> In 1999, a slightly disturbing young man declared that we are soldiers of hell. We are neither soldiers nor from hell, but like obedient little sleeper agents, we have gradually recruited people from popular culture to create a military force to be reckoned with. Each episode, we'll be nominating someone new to join our ranks. Here we are. Cool. Here we are again. I say here we are. We're, we're Where not, are we're we? Not, we're not here. Together, anyway. There's no, there's no. We are here as such, is there? Because we're we're in different locations. When you Join. said we, I thought it meant me, me and my cat. I'm with um, Jimmy Cranky. <laughs> <laughs> Little I, Jimmy Cranky. I'll, I'll prove it. Hi, Dabby Dorsey. That was uncanny, uncranky. Yeah. So here, here, there, here we. There's no, there's no plural way of saying that sentence, is there? No. And um, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Wrangle with that one, Stephen Fry. Yes. Um, but yeah, movie franchises. Discuss movie nonsense. Right. Now, that's not going to be a shock to regular listeners. And um, I'm right in thinking that there are regular listeners, yeah? There are. I'm not saying yeah. how many, but there are some, without a doubt. Yeah. If you want, yeah. become one, subscribe. Um, yes. Like and all that jazz. <laughs> like and all that jazz. What, what film's that from? Uh, ca- Cabaret? No, Chicago. Yeah. So we're here to discuss the Chicago movie franchise. Uh, <laughs> the CMU. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there are anyway. So let's let's get back on track. So we're here to, not to discuss the normal ones this this time. No. So it, it, you've you've come up with the premise elaborate on it better than I am. So I was thinking about franchises, specifically movie franchises that were brand new IP when they, when the first movie came out. So they weren't, they weren't based on a comic book. They weren't based on a novel or anything else. They weren't adapted from a TV show. They were brand new um, movies with brand new storylines and brand new characters that then became franchises. How often is it that you appreciate the whole franchise sort of equally compared to you just love the first one or two? So, right, okay. I watched The Matrix 4 the other day and it was all right, it was entertaining enough. Um, I won't I won't go into a spoiler filled review of it, but I got to the end of it going, yeah, the first film was brilliant. Everything after that can take or leave it. In fact, some of it very much leave it these days. And and then I started to think about all my other favorite movies that are sort of comparable with The Matrix One, and then thought, oh my god, this is this happens with every franchise. If it's a brand new property, um, my challenge to you is to try and find franchises I care about or that you care about where the whole franchise is of equal importance. There must be something that you've always wanted and need to do, and he'll fix it for you. And he'll fix it, and he'll fix it. 
It's not like that kid show in the 80s with a similar name and sinister host. It's more like you bet with Darren Day, but he's Andy Melody. And he'll fix it, and he'll fix it. Right, okay. So we're immediately, we're discounting your Lord of the Ringses, your Hobbitses. Um, <laughs> the, I, I, Hobbitses. <laughs> let's go through the list. I've got a theory in mind about why this might apply. Okay. We'll, we'll see how well it holds up. Obvi- the obvious one is Star Wars. Original IP. And admittedly, we've straight away talked about Star Wars when we said we're going to avoid the major franchises. But Star Wars... Although the first one can stand on its own, if you took away all the other films and all the other series and all that stuff, if you just had A New Hope as a standalone film, it works. Yes. There's, a, there's a start, middle and end. Yes. But it was George, um, I was about to say George Clooney. <laughs> George Lazenby. <laughs> George, but um, George and Mildred had <laughs> a rough idea of the overarching plot. So it, there was a there was the three film basis was there. Um, yeah. The the MCU, although it's you know they they adapt things loosely and weave it and make it more film appropriate. It's based firstly on a, a story that already exists in the yeah. comics usually, and some I don't know. I imagine. Um, wizened professor chained to a desk is in charge of making sure continuity works. I think the lesser franchises or surprise franchises have the issue of quality because they usually start with a decent quality standalone first film that is successful. And then once the studio or whoever realizes it's successful, they don't then make another single film, see how it goes. They then sort of say, oh, this has been a hit. This is a franchise. Let's make, we've got to make it a trilogy. So they've sort of now got to crowbar what was a perfectly good standalone film into a story that flows into a three film narrative. And it it often has questionable results. And the counterpoint, and, and sorry, and the perfect example of that is once again, Star Wars. With yep. the sequel trilogy, although it was a trilogy, they didn't have an overarching story from um, Force Awakens to Rise of Skywalker. They were sort of written on the bounce by each successive director and film writer. And you can see that in the way that all the plot lines that were set up in Force Awakens were thrown in the bin by Last Jedi. And then they had to massively course correct and go, oh, all that stuff in Last Jedi, that wasn't that wasn't real. Yeah. Every, each one of those films is a reaction to what came before. Yes. So I yeah. think the successful franchises are the ones that have a clear idea of where they're heading. So yeah. that's my theory. Yeah, and I th- I think that's I think that's probably a sound theory. So let's see if we can let's see if we can debunk mine or your your thoughts here so right okay i i you know i mentioned the matrix i i can think of another one another franchise straight away the terminator franchise okay so again the first film was a low budget sci-fi horror that spawned 
uh, a more successful sequel with um, glossier production, etc. Um, some would argue it's the better film. I actually prefer the first one, I think, but I love the first two. After that, I, I, you know, again, can take or leave them, but I'm happy to sort of pretend they don't exist. An actual fact, the most recent movie sort of pretends that the, the three or so that came in the middle didn't exist. And it sort of goes, I don't know if you've seen it, is it Dark Fate, is it called? That sort of, think so. sort of builds a new franchise that goes one, two, and then Dark Fate. But again, you don't need Dark Fate. It's not good enough, really, other than to be a retread of two with a, you know. So so I kind of see it as, as the same as The Matrix to a point, uh, albeit there's two films instead of one that's excellent. And I think the problem with franchises like this is they they sow seeds or paint a picture of a of a world without building the whole world, and then as soon as they really try and build that whole world, it's sort of you've already joined the dots in your imagination, and they can't do it as well as you've joined the dots because it's not possible. Your expectation is already elsewhere. So with the Matrix, once you've then kind of gone, okay, so Neo's the one and he can control things within the Matrix. He's all powerful. He's going to free everyone from captivity. That's an excellent, uplifting ending. Then you have to go and spend two whole films in the whole dystopian world controlled by robots and it's grim and it's dirty and it's it's like it was great in flashes but you don't want a whole movie based on that and i think that's the same with the terminator the flashes of the future were so awe-inspiring but then when you go to terminate salvation you spend time in that future like oh it's grim (laughs) can't be bothered and it's uh, and the other thing that particularly with those two films, I think, is that because the the premise and concept of the film is created around the story of the first one, it's called The Matrix, not the time we spend in a dystopian future. Yeah. It's not about... It, the whole setup of the film and the reason it was made is to watch these cool moves that we can do because it's not a real world it's a computer generated world that we just inhabit and once you've destroyed that all you're left with is let's have a fight yeah. and it's the same with the terminator the idea of the terminator it's it's not about john connor as such it's it, the film is called the terminator it's about yeah the idea of a robot that is a killing machine and how we deal with that. John Connor just happens to be the lever through which we get the story started. Once you get rid of the idea of a Terminator, as we saw with Terminator Salvation, you're left with just another dystopian war film. Yeah. You get further away from the core concept. You have to stretch things. And you're right. I would quite happily... I don't think I've even seen anything after Terminator Salvation. I've definitely not seen Genesis, and I don't think I've seen Dark Fate. Um, (laughs) Phil Collins will be upset that you've not seen Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and I, I, Peter still... Gabriel's dark fate <laughs> is Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I would rather see that, in all honesty. <laughs> if I would rather watch a new Terminator film and have the ball of light, all the street lights explode, and there's Phil Collins naked, crouched, covered in sweat. <laughs> That's... That's a more interesting concept to me than another Terminator film that they're trying to flog the levy daylights out of an already dead horse on. Clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> and the same with the Terminator films. I've not seen Terminator, uh, not Terminator, Matrix. I've not seen the third Matrix film. I watched the second one and was like, yeah, that'll do, thanks. Yeah. Didn't even bother going to watch it. From what I've heard, the third one is like he goes blind and oh, spoiler alerts for a film that's what twenty years old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he goes blind and sees the world as fire or something. Oh, it's weird. It's, uh, and that's the other thing is to get that first film made, you've got to be accessible to the studio, I suppose. Mm. Once it's successful they tend to perhaps give people a bit more creative leeway. And certainly the second Matrix film was just so self-indulgent. And I just think it turned off so many people. I couldn't be bothered with the rest. Yeah. So that's, so yes, you're right. That's, that's two franchises where we'd rather ignore them after a point. So that your theory there about, it's about the Matrix. It's about the Terminator. Let me give you another one. Alien. It's about Alien or Aliens. It's not about Ripley. So as soon as you get past Aliens, suddenly you're into, like, oh, do we really care what happens after Aliens? It's just like, yeah. I think the first two were all you need, really. Yeah, and I think um, the first two are brilliant examples of how you don't need to have you can you can stay with this franchise, but each film doesn't just need to be a retread of the first film. You can completely change the nature of it, but I think Aliens stays true to the idea of no matter who you are, you are going to be up against it fighting the aliens. Uh, they're yeah. a lethal killing machine. And and that's and it's just it's that concept seen through a slightly different um, lens. The first one's a slasher film. The second one is Vietnam in space. Yeah, it's brilliant films. And again, Ripley is just the and every woman that yeah that we that we see it through. Um, I've got a bit of a and the Alien franchise again is so they desperate to keep revitalizing it and they just the ship has sailed there comes a point where you have to just accept this ain't working anymore so the see they did sequel upon sequel they had diminishing returns you had the crossovers with predator which had even more diminishing returns and then they did prequels that 
I mean, I've seen Prometheus. I've not seen Alien Covenant, but I'm, no. I've not heard great things about it. No, I haven't and... seen that one either. And But, like, who needs to see, like, the genesis of... I'm sorry, I'm using that word again. <laughs> who needs to see Genesis? Who needs to who needs to know about how these aliens came to be? And like we don't need a prequel, do we? We just don't need it. I, I think that that's perhaps born out of this need for franchises to sort of try and explain every facet of um the law and the world. Mm. So one of the most appealing things about, like you say, Terminator is we know there's a war with robots and we know John Connor is the the resistance leader. And you're right, the flashes and the mystique around that are more awe-inspiring in your head than they will ever be written down. The same with the alien. Part of the appeal is the unknownness of it. Yeah. The, and it's exactly the same um, with the Terminator. It's the alien, unknown, unflinching, we don't understand it and that's why it's scary yeah and, and, and more the fact the alien doesn't speak as well so yeah i would have i i sort of have an affection for alien 3 but i wish i could have seen the film that is it david fincher yeah i wish i could have seen the film that he wanted to make before the studio started meddling oh the wooden planet thing. yeah yeah but again, it's ultimately Alien Alien Cubed is just a retread, really, of the first one. Yeah. With Mr. Lannister. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I agree with everything you've just said, but I'm now going to give you a franchise that flips it on its head. The uh, Jaws franchise. So whereas the Alien franchise is really about the alien and that's what what makes the first couple of films great jaws the original film is not about the shark it's about all the other characters and how they react to the shark yeah and therefore the franchise doesn't work because i couldn't care less about the shark what i care about is that trio of amazing characters and and how and how they deal with it in the town and how uh, and and oh, oh, it's such a perfect film. You don't you don't therefore care what happens next. No, and you can never possibly recreate that interplay of characters. Even if you had a sequel that had all the same characters, even if somehow you know, Quint had survived. The dynamics between the group would be different because they would have come through it together. So perhaps Quint doesn't resent Hooper quite as much and there's not that friction and it, yeah, it becomes a different film. Um, yeah. I like Jaws 2. It's a, it's a good sequel by virtue, I think, of the fact that it's so similar in in approach to Jaws. It's It's basically just... It's Jaws again, minus Hooper and Quint. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like it. Jaws three, just is just it's awful. I mean, three, three and four are terrible. The fact that you've not got, and I think that's a key bit with franchises as well. Once you've got none of the original characters in it, 
it's really difficult to pull off. Because I don't even yeah. think the mum, the mum's in three, is she? Uh, I can't. Three is the sh- one I've seen the least. Three. So that's the th- one set in the, uh, the the aquarium, isn't it? Yes, the that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So isn't Dennis Quaid the grown-up son in that? Yeah, Dennis yeah. Quaid is one of the sons. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the mum doesn't feature in that one, but she's back yeah, but for the she, fourth she one. She is in the fourth one. In the Caribbean, I think, isn't it? Yeah, where the where the sharks got a vendetta on the family, <laughs> hunting yeah, the family you, down. I mean, it's fair to say the nuance in screenwriting has moved on a little bit since those days. I hope the <laughs> family so trying to say that the shark has got some sort of greater level of intelligence that it's focusing on a family and is able to track her, who's presumably gone by air. How did yeah. it know she was there? No one knows. But yeah, Jaws is... I suppose it also depends on, is there a difference between a film franchise and a film universe? <laughs> now you, now that I think that's a podcast in itself. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's one for the ledger. ledger, ledger. <laughs> Scribbling that one down as we speak. So, okay, so here's... Uh, another one that backs up your point then around the characters what makes Jaws 1 so strong is the actors and the characters, the screenplay same applies to Ghostbusters Ghostbusters 1 is just one of those they, you know, struck gold everything is iconic in that movie, by the time you try and recreate that in Ghostbusters 2 it's an okay film It's it's humorous it's entertaining, but it's a bit of a retread and you you don't need it. And then by the time that those actors aren't in it anymore, you're even less invested. It's what is the what is the driver to making the further films? Is it that actually we want to explore these characters more, or is it that was a hit? Let's print some more money. <laughs> yes, it's it's absolutely money. some of the franchises that we're discussing now there's another issue at play which is you make the first one and a lot of these I think sort of late 70s early 80s films where the sequels are being brought out and the directors or the studio or whoever is making them says hey we've got all this new emerging technology now let's use that let's really and I think you can see that with Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters mm. 1 uses some visual effects, a lot of great practical effects. Um, and you're right, it's just you could make that film with the same script and the same director, but a different set of actors with different play between them would have just not worked in the same way. They just spark off each other. Yeah. Um, by the time you get to Ghostbusters 2, they're shoehorning in the... Uh, like the slime and the, the weird bit where he comes out of the painting at the end and it's, it's like the, the screen's stretching and it, it, it's, time has moved on. There's a, there's a gulf of time between sort of late 70s, early 80s and late 80s, early 90s. It's almost like I don't feel there's a big difference between 10 years ago and now, but I think the further you go back, the more that time magnifies between... Yeah 
periods. So I, I suppose it's like there'd be 10 years between a film from the 50s and a film from the early 60s. They, they'd one be black and white and be four hours long and be proper old-style MGM. And the early 60s one would be sort of new wave of auteurs who are doing gritty, colour, film-based violence, the sort of stuff. It's a completely different world. You can track it through some franchises like James Bond, for example, you know, um, Doctor No through to Man with a Golden Gun. I'm guessing that's in roughly 10 years. That, that, you know, you can see how the world's changed and how filmmaking's changed and how the impact of making a James Bond every year with, by that point, three different actors has changed things. You know, that, that's a very different time. Um, but I, again, James Bond, we can't discuss that because that's based on a series of novels. So, yeah, you no one, no one ever turns around. And when you say, you know, that, what what film do you love? What films do you love? Oh, I I love um, from Russia with love. They never say that. They say I like James Bond films. Yes, it, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the series, it's the character. It's not, it's not one film. I, I suppose another film, um, a franchise that fits it to an extent is is the Halloween franchise. That has, it's persevered through a whole range of, so, you know, it started out as that sort of very, you know, taut slasher, um, starting the whole genre, I think, in a way, um, yeah. film. Then it trots out a couple of sequels. I think the third one's not even related to Michael Myers. It's a completely different story that's just uses the title. Yeah. Then by that time, you sort of got into the, you know, straight to video, video nasty area where there's, you know, all the a whole host of increasingly ridiculous, cheap, low budget Halloween films. And then it eventually rides the crest of the sort of classy horror resurgence with a sequel that says, right, after Halloween, um, ignore all the films after that. This is the sequel to that. Yeah. That's another one that I think you can ignore that whole middle clutch of films if you really wanted to. Yeah. And I think probably a lot of people do. Same with Terminator, yeah. And both, in, in many ways, slasher films aren't they they're a they're a killer hunting one character or a couple of characters for the whole yeah. film yeah it's the same an unstoppable fate. force yeah once you boil it down to that uh right what what other franchises have you got uh i've got a few i think uh predator which you've already mentioned in passing so i think the first film is one that i will re-watch i think the rest of them I don't think I've seen them all, and the ones that I have seen, I've only watched once. But it doesn't spoil my enjoyment of the first one. No, you can ignore it. It's the joy of Predator for me is that it it could only have been made in the eighties with Harney. It's it's that sort of similar um, to when we when we watched Commando. It's just. It's just, we want to see him fighting stuff in the jungle. Yeah. And that, and that's it. Um, let, 
let's take the biggest man on the planet and make him fight an alien. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, and I imagine that's how they probably said it to the head of the studio. And he went, sure, make that happen. <laughs> and when you think about the character of Predator, even though it's compelling, it's it's a character that hides and hunts and is invisible. And, and you're like, and the, you can't build a franchise out of an invisible character, can you? Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if it's... I don't... In subsequent films, they're not sure what they want the Predator to be. Because in the first one, he's the baddie. Yeah. And similar to uh, what we said about um, Alien and Terminator, it's the it's the unknownness, it's the mystique, it's the fact that part of the enjoyment of the film is people start dying and we're working out who, why, what is killing them. That's yeah. that's the film. But then by the time of Alien versus Predator, they're sort of the good guys. Um, with Predators, the one with Adrian Brody, they're back to being bad um, and trying to work out why they've abducted Adrian Brody. Mm. Um, I've that one. Okay. It's, it's, or, it's, I think it's set on the alien hunting planet and they, they come to Earth and they kidnap like, 10 of the worst deadly people on the Earth and they take them to hunt them. And they end up working together to try and break free. And Adrian Brody um, just talks about this about the film. <laughs> and that's his, that's his way of being tough. Um, and I've not seen the latest one. Is it The Predator? Yeah. Yeah, I've not seen that one. But I've got no inclination to because I know all I need to know about The Predator from the first one. Yes. Okay, shall I hit you with another one? Go on. Die Hard. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's probably the one that fares best so far out of all the ones we've discussed. I would say the first three are pretty decent films. Yeah. For me. Um, but is But that's another thing that we haven't touched on, is it? How much of... I think all of the ones we've talked about have had one sequel or another that's there's been a big gap between releases and Die Hard is one where everyone I think thought Die Hard was finished after Die Hard 3 yeah and once you've sort of put a franchise to bed to then try and resurrect it I don't think it ever really works so I think there's um, a trend happened a shift in franchises over the life of our podcast so one of our early podcast episodes um from the noughties we were talking about trilogies and how everything had to be a trilogy so if you had a successful film at that time you would then almost likely get a a contract to make two more with the same actor who would be contracted in for two more and then you would try and round off the story over the course of three films. So yep. The Matrix was a trilogy. Um, the Indiana Jones films were a trilogy. And you, you can name them one after the other. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean was a trilogy. Now, all of those ones that I've just mentioned have subsequently had a fourth or more film. 
<laughs> after that point. But at that yep. time, it was like, because of probably Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, everything had to be a trilogy to be to be a great, I mean, a Godfather, great franchise. Even Godfather, a trilogy. I mean, yeah. arguably the first, you know, I, that's an exception, isn't it? But that's based on a book. So, yeah, I suppose we can't count that in this. No, but um, but yeah, yeah. But and, then, and, since then, now, every, then we went through the phase of everything has to be a movie universe. Yeah, that obviously backfired in a lot of studios' faces very quickly. Um, I. I don't know. I think you have to really think carefully before you're setting your stall out that it's going to be a universe. The Die Hard films for me, I mean, again, you could take Die Hard 1 on its own. None of the others need to exist. No. And and they work. I think Die Hard 2 is pretty good, actually. I do, Yeah, I enjoy Die Hard 2. Die Hard 3, I think, was made at a really good time for the story that it is because it's possibly one of the last films I could think of like that, that was made where they didn't shoehorn in a lot of CGI and stuff. It's, it still feels fairly practical. Yeah. And the story isn't really about the, the actions in it and it's pretty decent, but the story is more about the interaction between him and Samuel L. Jackson's character. And it was written as a lethal weapon sequel, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. Which is, which is, you know, again, does lethal weapon fit into this category? Uh, lethal, lethal I never weapon. really cared about lethal weapon at all. I've, I think I was too young when they came out to care, and like you say, it's some things pass you by and. I've got no interest in... I'm not a huge Mel Gibson fan, in all honesty. No, and quite rightly so in this day. <laughs> as not Certainly not as a, not as a political spokesman. And, <laughs> and, in, and in terms of his, um, his films, yeah, he's done some decent ones, I suppose, but I've not... I've got no interest in watching Lethal Weapon. Yeah. I think by the time I was watching films, it already seemed like an old film. Yeah, even though it probably wasn't. But then they went back to it years later, didn't they? And did Lethal Weapon 4, 3 and 4, yeah. I think. Yeah. No one cared. Have you got any on your list? What I was going to mention is obviously, I think you, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I, I think we can allow that because although it's based on a ride, the characters didn't exist in the ride. Mm. I love the first one. Yep. And it goes against... So well, I really wanted to hate it when I when I first watched it, but God help me, I love a bit of swashbuckling. Yeah. And it just it just works. But then it suffers from the same problem as you say that it did at the time that that one was successful, so they had to have a trilogy. And I think those two films were filmed back to back. Yeah, as was the trend. Uh, yeah, yeah, and again, as you say, inspired by Lord of the Rings because that was all three were filmed pretty much in one big constant go. Yeah. So it's really good. Um, but then I th- I've heard that they're still making Pirates of the Caribbean films, aren't they? I've got something of... <laughs> I'm sure I read something about Charlize Theron heading up a 
Pirates of the Caribbean six. We don't need that. I watched I watched all of them with the kids the other day. Um, I managed in one to... day. <laughs> not not in a one day. Yeah, while technically possible, not advisable. Yeah, yeah. I I there's bits about the third one I like. There's bits there's bits about all of them that I like. But I just I was watching the fourth, the fifth one and I was just like this is painful now. I don't think even you guys are bothered anymore. No, I can't so, remember I, what happens after the first one. Um, and that's the part of the problem with it is that it's all it's double cross heaped upon double cross heaped upon. Then at the end, people go, "Ah, I knew that you you do this and that and the other." So I did this, and really, no, no, you didn't. There's no, no way you could possibly know that. I anyway, can't, I, I, I can't keep it all in my brain. So how can you possibly predict the future and keep it in your brain? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Transformers. Yeah. Again, I like the first one-ish for what it is. I think it's very of its time now. I don't think it would necessarily get made now in the same way that it was made then. No. Um, It's all right. I watched it at the cinema twice. I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, But again, yeah, of its time. It's like pre-Marvel, isn't it? Yes, a year at least. Yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was the time when something between the end of Lord of the Rings and the start of the MCU, we were sort of desperately searching for a franchise to fill the void that we could hang a hat on. And though you know, you've got your, your Pirates of the Caribbean, your, your Transformers, and all that sort of stuff came out, and it, nothing really clicked in the way that. I think we were searching for our generation's Star Wars. Yeah. And fantasy, as big as Lord of the Rings was, it, it has a certain appeal to a certain demographic more than others, I think. It's, um, but, it's yeah. But, but we've gone off topic. We're talking Can I about. Can throw another one into the mix? Yes. Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. based on a book, though. Based on a book. Oh, no. Because the second one is also based on a book. Yeah. Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think by default it's probably ruled out. <laughs> yeah. But I still, I mean, for me, okay, so it, it doesn't fit with our rules that we've we've built into this conversation, but it's still a film where, a series of films where, the first one is pure gold and iconic on every level. After that point, you know, they're entertaining, but I don't really care. I, you know, I don't need the others to exist. I really, yeah, even the Jurassic World films, as, as fun as they are, they're not, I can't imagine myself saying, oh, Let's go back to that. I want to watch that again. Yeah. Glad I've seen it. Probably never going to watch it again. I'll definitely at some point in my life watch the first one again. 100%. Yeah. And uh, it's it's about how how compelling the characters are in it as well. I think, it's te- I think everyone would probably agree that Alan Grant is the, the lead bloke in that film. 
yeah. for me. And when he's not the one that's leading the sequel, for me, that immediately was, even at the age I was then, of um, 35. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it rang alarm bells with me then for some reason. that I was already thinking, so you've gone for the sort of the second fiddle as the lead for the sequel. That's interesting. Yeah. So when you yeah when your main actors don't want to come back for a second bite, but then why did he come back for the third one? Can't just be money, surely. And they're all back for the sixth one. Yeah, and that is very much we're back to we can't afford it, can we? We're we're back to how much do the subsequent new films and entries rely on the legacy characters? How well? Can you think of a franchise that's ever passed the baton to a new group of actors that succeeded properly? I think for a lot of people, that's where things start to turn sour. And I'm, you know, obviously Indiana Jones is one that is that on the list. So that, yeah, that is a good one. That's maybe the exception to the rule, isn't it? I mean, for me, it, I think it still applies because I think everyone's quite happy that we could forget the fourth one. Yeah. So it still fits into this. Um, as far as I'm aware, Indiana Jones was an original character uh, dreamt up by George and Stephen. I mean, how uh, original when you think of all the things he's based on? <laughs> I'm not so sure, but, you know, yeah. still a great character. Yeah, and the first three are brilliant. Um, yeah. But the fourth one, I I mean, I've you got a... I had a box set with all three and I was never tempted to upgrade to one that had the fourth one in. And again, it's at the point I lost, well, no, the point I lost interest in the first one, and sorry, in the fourth one was, was probably in the first 30 minutes. But the idea of them handing the baton onto Shia LaBeouf, um, yeah. just, what's the point? It's not an Indiana Jones film anymore. Yeah, it's rare. Even you know the latter Star Wars films relied so much on that little nostalgia section of your brain getting tickled by seeing Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Yeah, um, it's it's a really difficult thing to hand over to a new cast when none of the originals work. And like you said, with Ghostbusters, yeah, I've no, I've not seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. How well does it work without it, that little nostalgia tickle? It's pure nostalgia. It's 100% nostalgia. And therefore, it works as a piece of entertainment. And it works as a palate cleanser from the previous movie. If you if you watch that and, you know, we're in the majority that didn't enjoy it or didn't appreciate it. But it falls into the camp of, I don't need it. The first one is gold. Watched it a million times. And I'm not going to rewatch any of the others a million times. And again, it's that thing of there's a big gap between it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear so, the cat? So, so, <laughs> so Phil Collins in the background. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Can't afford Sarah Connor. <laughs> I think that yeah time lapse is a big factor in these as well as we mentioned when i heard that there was going to be another ghostbusters film and i'm talking about this was it 2016 one 
I think it was 2016 that the, yeah, yeah. the, the female-led one came out. I think then I was hopeful it was going to be a proper Ghostbusters 3. Yeah. But the fact that it, it, it didn't work made me even more wary that a proper Ghostbusters 3 was coming. Mm. And the same as with Indiana Jones. I mean, how long has there now been between Indiana Jones 4 and whenever they decide to finally make the fifth one that they keep talking about? Well, I know they've been filming it because they were filming some of it in Glasgow, weren't they? Um, and I've seen pictures. It, well, by the time it comes out, I don't know when it's coming out. It'll be 14 years. Which is I mean, ridiculous. It, because, what was it? Um, it was 19 years between the third and the fourth. In that film, it's all jokes about how he's getting old. <laughs> and then you add another 14 years on it. <laughs> it's... I, yeah, I just don't. I don't think it's gonna. I'd be very surprised if it works. Yeah, I don't know how it's. Maybe they're just. Maybe they're gonna completely switch genres and have it as like a sort of Miss Marple type caper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I think what we've established is that it, it's a rare thing to have a non-pre-existing multi-film story that really works over multiple films. Yeah, unless it's by design. Yes, yeah. So, obviously, as we've said, you know, the Bond films, Star it's just Wars. a different different story. Star Wars, he had the whole through arc for the first six. Yeah. Which brings me back to probably what is arguably the biggest movie franchise of all time now, is, is the MCU, which we've only barely touched on. Yeah. How well is that going to fare when it ultimately comes to properly passing the baton from the original group to the, let's call them new Avengers for want of a better phrase in the absence of knowing what they're actually going to be called? My fear is that it peters out because although it's still going strong and it's still highly entertaining, you've got that build towards Endgame and then kind of like, I mean, that would have been the perfect ending. Now it's like, if this new batch don't get that same perfect ending, you're almost into like a multiple movie version of the same point we've been making all night, which is, I don't need it. Yeah, I think we had this conversation at the time and that yeah. someone at Disney perhaps needed the balls to say, I don't care how much money we're going to make, that's, that's it, we're drawing a line under it. That was the perfect ending, we round it off. But of course now... Um, if we're talking about unnecessary films, we're now also talking about unnecessary films, unnecessary TV series, unnecessary spin-offs. I mean, just, just this year alone, there's something like five MCU films um, series coming out. I mean, Moon Knight starts next month, then you've got Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and how closely intertwined with the films are they going to be? Yeah. And it seems like... The, you know, the, the multi-medium uh, approach is only really now kicking into gear after Endgame finished. Yeah. I read the other day that there was, there's 32. Uh, I, the, the article I read was, what are, what, what's, the, what's the best order to watch the MCU? And it, it, and it put them in a list, not excluding properties like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all those kind of stuff. So 
only the movies and the Disney Plus TV show count. 32 of them there are. Wow. That's a big time investment as well, isn't it? Especially when you consider yeah. that they consider that I mean how many series have there been so far? Three? Is it three or four? Four. Uh, four. It included four. what if as well. So yeah. Oh yeah. Because what if I thought what if was just a bit of a, you know, here's a bit of fun while we get on to Hawkeye. Yeah. Um it's actually does feed into it because I think there's a there's a version of Doctor Strange from What If that features in the upcoming Doctor Strange film. Yeah. So it's all encompassing and they're doing it the same with, with uh, Star Wars because, yeah, you know, The Mandalorian, which I finally got around to watching and could probably make a, an episode in itself, um, was entertaining. But there's now the Bob effect from the Obi-Wan Kenobi, there's an Asaka Tano. Yeah. It's, it's multi-pronged and they've got you. And if you want to be able to say you really appreciate it, you've got to invest the time, and it's yeah, and therefore you've got yeah. to invest in a subscription. Yeah. So we've we've gone slightly off topic, but I think it still can sort of fit under the umbrella of how much of it will ultimately become unnecessary, and should they have just chopped the legs at Endgame? So the the only way we can make this podcast episode legit is to make our own unnecessary late sequel to this episode <laughs> in 10 years time where we discuss whether it's necessary to have anything that comes post end game there we go <laughs> so what we've proven is that <laughs> it's quality not quantity that's important unless you're disney in which case it is absolutely quantity <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a oh. it's a tough thing to get. A, I mean, ultimately, my favourite non Star Wars, non MCU franchise is probably KFC. <laughs> <laughs> no diminishing uh, returns there. <laughs> definitely, nothing diminishing about that at all. Especially the size of the waist. It's time for a rank. What shall we call this feature? The Soldiers of Hell rank off. Come rank with me. Strictly come ranking. Maybe just a load of rank. In which case, I was going to say, who's your soldier of hell for this month? I think you. I think a late addition has got to be Colonel Sanders. <laughs> so, John, not John McLean, not Arnie, not John Connor. <laughs> Not Jack Sparrow. None of them have been able to touch it because at the last minute, Colonel Sanders has come in and snatched victory. (laughs) They don't call him special herbs and spices for nothing. Oh, brilliant. Very good. So, Colonel Sanders, welcome to the um, to the unit. You, look, <laughs> yeah. you lucky, lucky fictional mascot. <laughs> God knows, uh, God knows who it's going to be next month. But there's only one way to find out, and that's to stay tuned. Well, don't stay tuned because that would just be like silence. But you can uh, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you in due course with another long-winded. Ramble. Unnecessary ramble.
<laughs> the late sequel. Cool. All right. We'll catch you soon. Great. Bye. Soldiers of Hell is a Fosgate Studios production. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, comment, and share.